0: To episode 2 of Destination Unknown. Uh, glad to see that you guys stuck around. I hope you enjoyed the first episode about Brazil and that you're already starting to plan your trip to Brazil. But <laughs> this week, we're covering a whole new country and we're talking about...
1: Chem- Cambodia. <laughs>
0: yes, Cambodia. Now Brittany and I were there in the fall of 2017, I think November, November, maybe early December 2017. And to be honest, I don't think Cambodia is super high up on the radar for a ton of people. Um, you know, especially being close to, to Thailand and, and Vietnam and some maybe other quote-unquote more popular tourist destinations. But we've really enjoyed our time in Cambodia. It's a beautiful country, great people, lots of things to see. And, and we'll tell you all about
1: it. Yeah, you know, it is our choice for this episode, too, because if you've seen our podcast art, uh, the little picture there is actually us in front of Angkor Wat. That's right. Which is, I don't know if it's actually considered like a a wonder of the world. I think it is.
0: It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site.
1: Yeah, and the World Wonder List, I feel like it's always changing. It's
0: updated all the time. Yeah, I don't know how that that works. There must be a committee or something.
1: So anyways, we we felt like this country... This episode should be done close to the beginning of the start of our podcast. So here we are, Cambodia. Mm-hmm. So let's get right into it. We Cambodia. had to we had to for sure go back and review some of the stuff. We learned a lot when we were there. And um, yeah, we had a lot of really good experiences, but it's been a few years now. So um, yeah, we had to go back and review and re- learn some things and remember some of the things we were taught. And Tarek, what did you, you learn from your... studies just recently (laughs) well we should
0: start off first by saying it's in southeast asia Mm -hmm. you know it's bordered on the west by thailand on the north by laos i think on the east Vietnam by vietnam um you know large it's got a coast on it capital phnom penh um so it's in that sort of southeast asian region in terms of you know geographical location and it's uh fairly sparsely populated i think it's only got about eight to ten million people in the entire country it's not a big country Mm -hmm. um a little bit less developed, maybe, than, than its partners, than uh, Thailand and Vietnam that, that border it. We never actually made it to Laos, so I'm not sure how it compares to that. But
1: here, it's amazing. Yes,
0: we have heard it's really cool it's on, <laughs> on our list, for sure. Um, but yeah, we haven't. Uh, it was definitely, in our opinion, less developed than its neighbors, neighboring Thailand and Vietnam. Um, But still beautiful nonetheless. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Yeah, there's obviously coastal, like a whole big coast where you have beautiful beaches. um, Lots of farmlands, lots of rolling hills. Very, like the climate is hot, it's humid. Very similar, obviously, if you've been to Thailand. Lots of people have um, to that sort of climate. um, And probably geography as well is very similar.
0: Yeah, similar, similar flora and fauna for sure to Thailand or Vietnam um because of how close it is to them right so i mean the big thing too a lot of people have maybe seen some of the the movie the killing fields i believe there's a movie called the killing fields
1: yeah so before we just get into that like the reason why um cambodia we really really noticed when we were in asia we did kind of a three country tour we we were in thailand we were in cambodia and we then we went to vietnam um but we noticed a massive difference like almost immediately when we At crossed the border, the border yeah. um from Thailand into Cambodia, and then when we left Cambodia into Vietnam, we noticed that Cambodia was just, it was rough. It was rough around the edges. It just looked like the people were maybe poorer, and the country was struggling. For sure, up and coming, but just struggling compared to the countries surrounding it. And from what we've learned, that is very much um, due to a massive Civil war and killing of a large uh, population of Cambodian people back in the seventies. It was a horrible, horrible time. Um, the Khmer Rouge, it was called, the communist communist party, right? Am I mm-hmm. saying this yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, came into power and essentially wanted um, a communist kind of agrarian state. And they kind of took it upon themselves to uh, round up people who had education, who were well off, or doing, doing really interesting things, free thinkers in the country, and essentially murdered them. They had ex- executions all the time. They had people in prisons, um, and they killed. What was the number I just told 1. you? One point
0: five to three million people, which was twenty-five percent of the population. So it was it was devastating. The leader's name was Paul Pot, and he wanted an agrarian society and because of his great fear of ever being overthrown he he decided to target intellectuals so this Mm -hmm. genocide it was it was an ethnically focused genocide but also genocide against those with education because they didn't want anyone educated to to threaten his authority and so the country lost all of its doctors all of its nurses all of its lawyers all of its scientists all of its researchers teachers anybody with education was killed off and then after the regime was ousted the country had to start over with with a society that was not educated was not prepared for the future and so Mm -hmm. you see the effects of that for sure especially compared to thailand especially compared to vietnam which have had their fair share of struggles as well but definitely are much more um, further ahead economically than Cambodia yeah. and and that's cited as a reason for it
1: yeah really truly how can you how can a country move forward when that many people are wiped out and Absolutely. then what 's left is farmers and young kids and people that just have to rebuild this country the parents that are left are traumatized like if you've survived you're traumatized and you're trying to raise your young families um, having been through a lot so the country was massively affected statistics now say that over 63 percent of the country is 35 and under um, age yeah age 35 and under so such a young country because all of those people of probably middle-aged working, working individuals, educated individuals were killed off. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy history.
0: But it is a country that, that is um, growing rapidly, uh, increasing the rate of growth in Cambodia is rivaling, if not beating those of its neighbors, and that is because of its young population, the fact that it is farther behind. So they've, they've, they've got the model uh, to follow from, from um, Thailand, from Vietnam, from Laos. And and they're growing really quickly, and they're trying to make the best that they can. But that genocide from the 70s with the the Khmer Rouge is up there with some of the worst atrocities committed by humanity in the in the 21st century. It's mm-hmm. it was a terrible time in history. It lots was, of lots awful. of
1: oppression. I think the reason they got out of it actually Vietnam came in and stopped the Khmer Rouge, but then Vietnam actually took over and kind of ruled for quite a few years after it's, as well.
0: It's actually a wild story because um, for those of you who don't know, um, and this is kind of a fun fact or an interesting fact, boy, using fun is wrong in this situation. <laughs> but, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, Vietnam at the time that took over was the North Vietnamese communists. They took over and they they ousted Pol Pot and his genocidal regime in North Vietnam, and it was the American backed West that supported Pol Pot and said he is the rightful leader oh, wow. of Cambodia in the post world in the post civil war era, um, and and that was obviously because of the United States's um, failure in the Vietnam War to oust the North Vietnamese, and they just refused to support them in anything they did, and the United Nations even didn't support. Um, the ousting of Pol Pot and they supported that, that government in the years as, as sort of a de facto but um, ousted government of Cambodia and so you know I, <laughs> you don't hear about stuff like that because certainly looking back that was the wrong decision and they're very embarrassed because you don't support genocidal leaders like Pol Pot but they were more interested in not supporting anything the North Vietnamese were doing.
1: Yeah, it was At any kind rate. of a lose-lose situation for yes, them. But, uh to
0: have the Americans support a genocidal maniac like yikes. Paul Pol Pot, who was a communist as well, just not communist friends with the North Vietnamese.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Yeah, it is. When we were there, I remember... I mean, it's, it's kind of like when you go... I've never been to, um, you know, like the... Um, The Holocaust memorials. I've never been to Europe, I've never been to um, any of those, but we went to some of the memorials in Cambodia. Um, One was called the Killing Field, uh, where they actually tortured people and disposed of their bodies and to be there it was just this this thing where you just felt like you had to go you had to pay your respects but Mm -hmm. it was just so heavy i've never i've never been in a place that the air and like the the atmosphere just felt evil like you could just tell what had happened in that place and it was yeah we spent a day i think it was close to phnom penh
0: yeah it's it's just Mm -hmm. outside the city i believe yeah Mm
1: -hmm. we spent a day there and it was it was rough it was but you felt like it needed to be done because it was such a massive part of their history so to go and to be there in that raw area and you know when we were there we actually heard that a lot of the government that's in place right now actually has ties to that um that rich, regime that yeah. regime and so they actually wanted to get rid of the all of the memorials all of the history that kind of um shows people what actually happened there they wanted to just wipe it out and put it in like turn it back it into a farm field but yeah. there was thank goodness there was people there that took a stand and made sure that stayed there it's small but um I would say if you go to Cambodia it's a place you need to go see absolutely um but just know that it's it's heavy it was it was a long it was a really emotional day you can actually see like oh they, there's like a little walkway through yeah. the gravel. And you, can you can see th- human teeth,
0: and bones, and, know, and bones. Not it's, f- it's f- very raw, very, very and I wrong. mean, I think at the very least, um, you know, as North Americans, as North Americans living in the 21st century, having been born in the late 20th century, we haven't, we've been fortunate to not experience the the ravages of war and what it, and what it um, can do to to a people and and the very least we can just show respect mm-hmm. and say we see what happened here and we we see what was done here just so that yeah. we can avoid repeating this in the future.
1: Absolutely. And you know it wasn't that long ago. Like 1975. It, wasn't. it really wasn't. Truly was. That's that's recent history. So yeah, that's a, sorry to start out this podcast with, <laughs> with such sadness, but.
0: But it's a country that's very, very deep because I know we've led off with, with this devastating story, with this hard, hard uh, history that's very recent for this country, but it's a country that's, that's a tapestry. It's got this as well as a lot of uh, history, you know, dating back thousands of years and a lot mm-hmm. of um, exciting and fun and happy things as well. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's got it all really.
1: But yeah, for sure, we were we know, knew we needed to touch on this topic because it is a big part of the country. And when we were there, we actually spent a, a few days just seeing the sites and, and learning about what had happened there. We actually met a fellow that was in the kept prison and tortured in one of the prisons there, and. In Phnom Penh. And yeah his story was wild you walk through this prison and it's just lined with pictures of the people the people didn't even truly know when they were brought to this prison what was happening there they were lined up they were had their photos taken and um, none of them knew that within hours of that photo being taken they were going to be killed and so that place was really an awful place to be too but we had to tour it um, 12 out of like the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that went through this one prison in Phnom Penh only 12 survived wow 12 i didn't remember that yep (laughs) well i forgot that too but i read it and we met one of the i knew that it was a very small number and we met one of those fellows so i actually have his book if anybody's interested it is crazy i i literally almost read through it on the bus ride home from that place Yep. um so yeah so just a very very crazy event that happened and that is still affecting the country today let's talk a little bit about the religion do you or like in the way the culture the way the people are um sure. buddhist right yeah it's
0: primarily buddhist i think up, upwards of 90 95 percent yeah um a lot of not a lot actually a good number of buddhist temples and it's in, called in history there
1: and it's called Theravada buddhism okay so it's one of two um buddhist Buddhisms, I guess. Is that how you say the plural word?
0: It's probably just uh, denominations. I don't know yeah. if that's the term I'm, I'm comfortable Buddhisms. with. Buddhisms. That sounds
1: <laughs> not right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's mainly practiced in Sri Lanka, Burma, Thailand, Cambodia, and Laos. So, And they they would say that it's kind of um, the, the older of the two forms of Buddhism, and it's more original to um, Buddhist teachings, I guess, from long, long ago. So... To me, like I remember Cambodian people being very gentle, being mm-hmm. very kind, um, just never really felt unsafe. Soft-spoken yeah. and
0: very, yeah, yeah, um, oh, what is the word I'm thinking of, you know, not not loud or, yeah. or out there, you know, very, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, quieter people, maybe reserved a little yes, bit. Yes,
0: reserved, that's the word, you know, yeah. not necessarily shy, but just not like overly, mm-hmm. you know, and so, yeah, very...
1: Their religion is very important to them. I think, like ninety percent of the country, that's wild. Yeah,
0: yeah it's very, it's just ingrained to the culture. I think.
1: Yeah, they the people are co- called Khmer, Khmer people. Yes. Um, which is just like an ethnic people group. I think. Yeah. Um, so it's just it could be yeah, Cambodians are Khmer people. Um, we just yeah we really enjoyed the people they were great we had no no bad run-ins we were everybody was so hospitable um just really really lovely people i think actually before we went to cambodia we were just trying to learn as much as we could and there was some. There was a Cambodian mission group at our church, mm, and we had. That's right too. Yeah, we had some of the boys. Right before we left, it was very good timing. <laughs> it was that's perfect right. timing, and that's why we wanted. We wanted to learn more about Cambodia, and there was a chance to host some of the the kids. There was like a big choir or dance group.
0: Well, that's the thing that was interesting. Speaking of culture of Cambodia, there was a dance group that was making a tour yes. across North America, or at yes. least across Canada, and and they were doing some of these Cambodian dances, you know, and so very beautiful dances you know a lot of um
1: like slower movements yeah with the
0: hands spinning and the footwork (laughs) and stuff it's hard to describe yeah um but you know uh yeah very rich culture very old culture compared to canada especially going back at least a thousand two thousand years and and you know they're they're aware of of the way things were back then and so very cool
1: i remember going back to the story of us having these boys over at our house so so me and Tarek, we live in this like four level split sort of thing And these poor Cambodian boys, I think we hosted like four Four.
0: and then one of their leaders.
1: Yeah, four of them and one of their leaders um, for the night. They just needed a place to sleep. And so I think it was like October or maybe even early November. We were just going to go on our trip in a few weeks and our spare room is in the basement. And so that's where we put them. But man, our house just has different temperatures depending on what level you're on. So, these poor boys, like, I thought our house was pretty warm. I thought, like, the room was decent, but they were freezing their little butts oh. off. They had to, I think, I had to bring down just piles and piles of blankets, and I couldn't keep it warm enough for them. They're just used to, like, probably sleeping in 35, and humidity. Yeah, 35 yeah. degrees. They were so cold. And then, my favorite part about the story about these boys being with us. Is we kind of were trying to figure out what to serve them for breakfast in the morning. And both of us had to go to work. So we, we knew that it wouldn't just be like Rice Krispies. Like they, they weren't just going to have cereal. They could, mm. but it didn't seem likely. That's not what they would normally eat. So we asked them like, what do you guys eat? And they wouldn't, the boys wouldn't really tell us what the leader did. He said, oh yeah, just, you know, rice and I don't know what else. Yeah.
0: was rice and something rice and eggs rice and eggs and so like fried still
1: fried eggs and we were like okay well we can do that and (laughs) Tarek got up in the morning and made the biggest a vat like
0: a a vat a cauldron of
1: rice (laughs) i don't think he understood like rice portions and it was (laughs)
0: Well, you know what? I This was intentional. It was like we cool. said, um, the Cambodians, very reserved, very quiet. So if <laughs> there is not enough food, they're just going to say, oh, I'm full. And they're not going to say, I'm still hungry. I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll make a ton of food so that it's clear that they have to eat more. Otherwise, it will be a burden to me.
1: Yeah, you did say that, didn't yes,
0: you? Yes, I was like, they will they will never ask for more food. They will never... They'll
1: know there's more than enough. Yes.
0: And we threw out a lot of rice like it was to the point where like so much right
1: i made a dish or like meat or curry or anything to go with that rice for the next like five days we still would have had leftovers so much rice it was so funny i still can't get over how much rice he made yeah, i made so much <laughs> anyways we tried we tried very hard and i think they had a good time i but... think they did too, I think they did too. <laughs> but that's the thing with those with those boys and maybe cambodians and cambodians in general they yeah they are more reserved and so it is kind of hard to tell exactly what they want and so you just kind of have to go with it
0: and i mean you know ended up they didn't want that much rice (laughs) at any rate um (laughs) but yeah let's get to one of my favorite highlights of cambodia and that was angkor wat so we mentioned that briefly before angkor wat is this um temple built uh 12th century 12th century temple built a number of years ago and what did what's left of it i should say or the the main temple complex that that everyone goes to see that is a unesco world heritage site is the remains of a large city a large angkor the the angkor wat complex I think was I read... the former capital of the oh. of the khmer empire and it represented you know like at the height of the empire you know it was the center of a large city that was spread out they had irrigation they had they had a uh, fancy you know Walkways? Things yeah walkways and like um duct work and stuff for 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 moving water and stuff hmm. and it was it was quite the civilization at, at its height and and you've got to see these ruins it's incredible
1: i read that a couple facts about anchor Wat is that i think it's over 500 acres Mhm it's Like huge. massive. So people like in the in the photo of us of our kind of our art for our podcast there. That is kind of like the um
0: quintessential anchor yeah. watch shot. Everybody's got everybody that. Everybody wants that
1: picture with kind of those three um
0: main temple spire temple, type things. Yeah. yeah. I
1: don't even know what you call them, but that's the picture everybody wants, but it goes on for 500 acres. Like it's it huge. is massive and it's kind of in the jungle too like right outside the ruins like it is it's beautiful jungle the other thing i learned about it it was a hindu it started out it was built as a hindu temple for the god vishnu and then um in the late or 12th century it actually turned into a temple for buddhists Buddhists. oh cool and when we were there a couple years ago there was actually there was it's still being used like it never actually
0: now it's being used by the christians no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm <laughs> was, just playing. <laughs> you should have seen my look. I was like, "What? I didn't read that." <laughs> no, it's
1: never actually. <laughs> it's never actually been vacant either. Like the, throughout all these years, it's been used by somebody or something, um, and then right now, obviously, it's a massive tourist site. But there were still monks. Like there's still people practicing mm-hmm. Buddhism in there. There's lots of monkeys running yeah. around. It's, it's like
0: a weird mixture of like clearly there was a civilization here that was using this building but there's still just wild animals here i do remember an interaction we have with the monkey because the tourists like to feed the monkeys they're very brave they scare me they're and they're really cool i mean like they're just so the dexterity they have you just it's weird to see an animal that could manipulate food or tools and stuff just about as good as a human can right and so um but but yeah it's wild to see uh and and i was just reading too that the ruins, as you see them, you know, the main areas where we see the 500 acres. You know, you probably don't cover that much ground, but, you know, into the jungle, there's just like random uh, ruins, yeah. probably for, or, you know, I think they said a couple thousand square kilometers or something like that, where it's just, you know, there's a ruin, set of ruins here, a set of ruins there, because mm. the city complex used to be, the city used to just be huge, you know, if we counted uh, all these ruins on the outlying areas.
1: The one really famous part of the Angkor Wat ruins is the area where Angelina Jolie uh, right, taped filmed, Tomb, uh, Raider. Tomb Raider. back in the early Laura Croft. So people know the area. There's like a big tree that it looks like it's, it's yeah. growing out of the ground. Its roots are massive, and it's the roots are like crawling up the ruins. It's just such a cool sight. But I think that was. One of the main spots it was where they filmed. for that, yeah, for yeah. sure. it for was. Sure. It was hard in there as well. There was a lot of tourists. There was, and they were pushy, man. You and had I, to be. And that's just on the way it goes with
0: these these sites, you know. It's always going to be that way. I mean, obviously, there's high season and low season, but even in low season, there's going to be a ton of people.
1: I know.
0: There's never not a lot of people. I know. Um, so hard. It is tough, but our recommendation. So what we did was the the town. That you have to get to before you go to Anchorage is called Siem Reap. Now, um, just a small little town built basically for the sole purpose of of Wat. So it's a tourist town. It's a lot of tourists, but that means there's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of restaurants that are open late, a lot of bars, a lot of hotels, a lot of amenities that you need. Um, I actually
1: had one of the most fun clubbing experiences of my life in that that's town. That's right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's made for the tourists because it's of good it's, it's 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 a great little town. Um, but you want to get there at least a day before or the day before you want to go to Angkor Wat because yeah. you want to do Angkor Wat at sunrise. The sun comes up right behind the main temple complex, mm-hmm. that three spire building that we were describing. And so everyone, not everyone, but, you know, the key is to try and get there at dawn. You get there a little bit early before the sun comes up. You go through the whole process of getting into the Ruins. temple complex. Yeah. And then you watch the sunrise or you take pictures of the sunrise coming up behind
1: behind the ruins. It's really neat too because well it's it's made perfectly. In front of the ruins there's this it's almost like a moat. It's a big, big moat lake thing that Yeah, it's like a slough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't I think they did it on purpose. Um it's in front of the ruins and so it keeps the tourists back. It's just a it's a large body of water right in front of the ruins and so it keeps everybody back so your photos truly like you have this large amount of space that's just clear water and then you have the ruins with the sunrise so it's it's not even your pictures aren't even ruined by tourists because they have to stay back because they can't go in the water so yeah it's really actually pretty sensible setup for that purpose it is
0: and and i'll admit right now i can't remember off the top of my head if the sun comes up behind the ruins or if it comes up behind you and lights up the ruins
1: i think it comes up
0: At any rate, I don't know. It's a beautiful, it's beautiful. Do you try to get there at sunrise?
1: Yes, we got some incredible photos. It was like a pinky purple sunrise that day and gorgeous. A lot of people, a lot of people had like their selfie sticks. Like you have to be, you, as with all of these hot spots, like Tarek says, there's just a lot of people and you have to, if you want that shot, like you have to be a little aggressive. You have to weave your way through people. You have to be just as aggressive as the next person. Tarek's, Tarek's all right with it. I'm, i'm the aggressive one when it comes to getting my picture i don't care who you are if you're in my way you will gotta
0: get that shot you'll have to move gotta do it for the ig
1: (laughs) no i just if i'm gonna be there if i'm gonna like you know be up at that time of day i want my shot i want that nice picture i'm with you i'm with you and we truly did and aside from the photos and documenting it 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 was a magical experience it was so so beautiful it's incredible we loved our day exploring the ruins so it's so large too that as soon as the sun rises and then the actual temple is opened you can go on there and the the large crowds just disperse among this massive property kind of thing so it's not like it's crowded all day you can kind of find spots areas of the ruins where people aren't aren't there and
0: absolutely and And yeah, that is the nice thing. After the sunrise, you can still get. You've got an early start to your day. There's quite a bit of stuff to explore, mm-hmm. and so you can explore around. And then when you're done, you can get out of there fairly early if you want still to. So.
1: And there's lots of old carvings, like lots of really it's interesting. It's really cool. It's really
0: cool. Interesting. I would things. recommend getting a guide if at all possible to just yes. explain some of this stuff. Yes. In English, you know, and and it is fun to learn a little we, bit about the history. For yeah, sure.
1: we didn't really have a guide, right? No,
0: I don't think we did. We went with a tour group. And our guide, it was, it was um, you know, we were with a larger group. And so we did, I don't know, he was kind of a guide for the whole group. But to be honest, I think he was, you know, it was tough to split him up between so many people. And I don't right. think he was, his specialty was necessarily Angkor Wat so much as just general Cambodian knowledge, right? Right, so, yeah. right. So
1: it would be interesting to learn more because there was a lot of carvings, a lot of history actually on the ruins and in the temples and yeah very very neat you could definitely spend a whole day there's places to eat there there is um lots of different ways to get around you can walk you can play take tuk-tuks so you can you can do whatever all day there but it's yeah like good. Tarek said definitely get a hotel in Siem Reap the day before so you can get to the ruins for sunrise that I don't know cool. what sunset's like
0: yeah I have no clue we, didn't probably, make it. we, we left before sunset probably that's for sure um I just remember this fun fact number two <laughs> <laughs> if you want to gauge when this was, oh my goodness, maybe we didn't go I, I remember this now maybe we didn't we went to Cambodia in 2016.
1: that's what I was thinking. I yeah, think it I was, was th-
0: not 2017. I apologize. I said 2017. that was my fault because I remember one hundred percent us getting back from cam the, the, the ruins the ruins, the the ruins back to our hotel and saying to our front desk person, "Hey." Who won the American election? And yes. it was a race between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And he said, oh, Donald, Donald Trump, Trump won. won. And we said, no way. I don't believe you. I started and said, laughing. No, no way. I, I'm being serious. Donald Trump won. Then he pulled and out so his we phone. Knew, yeah, we knew it was, it's, it's obviously in November and it was obviously 2016, not <laughs> yeah. 2017, because that was the, the day we were at Cambodia's anchor Wat was yeah. the day that Donald Trump won the American election.
1: Yep. <laughs> he had won it that day and it's
0: true it's coming back to me now that's yeah. right too and we were like
1: what boy yeah and so and we were, we were traveling of... with a group of like there was lots of a lot of Europeans. british people
0: some australians not many americans i don't think any americans no us. no yeah,
1: but... so we were the closest to uh americans so yeah. the <laughs> the guy at the hotel desk thought he would tell us and Liked the look on our faces. Yes, it was fun. We were quite shocked. Anyways, we won't get too political with ah, that. That sure, is not sure. what this is about.
0: At any rate, <laughs> um, the next city we went to was Phnom Penh, and we mentioned that already. Uh, the center of political power, a lot of culture there, is pal- palaces to see, the killing fields, and the history about uh, you know the the civil war and the, the Khmer Rouge regime. Um, and we've talked about that already.
1: Yeah. Fun fact about Phnom Penh: mm-hmm. uh, there's about 1.5 million people in the city, and 1.3 motorbikes, <laughs> mopeds, <laughs> or oh, mopeds.
0: Yeah, it's a wild city. Don't don't try to drive there.
1: Oh my goodness. Well, you could. You we, could. You could. Don't don't tell people uh, not to. I, sure I'll be could.
0: honest. If you're traveling, especially from we had Canada, friends,
1: we had friends that did it in Bangkok, and that's
0: true. We had dinner friends. I, I honestly will tell you though. For the price it costs to get a tuk-tuk or even in a taxi, if you're not super thrilled on the tuk-tuk, if you get a tuk-tuk, I'm um, like a tricycle with a you know, cab on it, <laughs> basically. Um, <laughs> just do that. I don't know why you would drive. It just Because it's the experience, Terry. Come yeah, on. fair enough. I'm not a fan.
1: But that is a lot of mopeds. Like, you have to watch your back when you're walking in that city. I remember just, like, being scared I was going to be run over every two seconds. It's just wild. But really cool. Like, of course, you have to go there. It's the capital. It's a happening place. Yeah. Cultural, a lot of shady things so, happen there, too. Um, as in any big city. I think we walked through kind of like a red light di- district. That I don't was, remember that. I don't know why you don't remember that. It stuck out in my mind. It was really sad, really rough place to be. but. Yeah, that I think it happens quite a bit in those big cities in Cambodia and small cities too. For sure. Um, but yeah, it's it was a place that we were happy we, I think we walked through like a really interesting marketplace too. Just
0: Oh boy, I remember that. <laughs> the smells. And and we liked Cambodian food and we should talk a little bit about we Cambodian will. cuisine. Get there. Um but this marketplace, like, it just stunk like fish. And there was just so much food and flies, and the floor was wet, and okay. I had flip-flops on.
1: baby. Oh. People eat that food. It's it's like, wow. comes straight from the sea. It's fresh. It is rough. It, was it is rough. fresh. Tarek was being a baby. Everybody well, we were with that day say, was being a baby. I
0: feel like everybody was being normal, and Brittany was being weirdly stoic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because that is their livelihood, okay? that's true. Fair enough. It's their livelihood yeah so that's the place you have to see um we went to a little place called sea which is like a little beach town there's a ton of little lots of beach towns lots of coastal um cities and towns um that you can visit but this we just went to one of them we did some snorkeling um like i said we did some beach partying there's lots of little like beach like clubs along the beach and this group we were with they were all a lot younger than us so we uh we partook and danced the night it away a fun. few times. It was, fun. <laughs> it was really fun. You know,
0: I'll I'll be honest. One of the benefits of being in Southeast Asia, in general, but Cambodia specifically, is um, how cheap everything is. So as North Americans or as Western Europeans, your money goes very far. Um, the beer we drank there, I can't remember what it was called right now off the top of my Angkor. head. It's Angkor. Angkor. It's not terribly good beer. It's it's just a light lager, easy drinking. You know, just uh, basic. But you know, it's probably like fifty cents a can. Or something like that. You can get one of those um, giant, what do they call them? Thing for the table where there's, you know, basically a spout on the end, and you can drink it for probably like, you know, three or four dollars or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And you can you can eat and drink and and hang out in Cambodia for very 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 cheap. So going to a beach town, there is a boardwalk and a strip with multiple different restaurants and bars. clubs and stuff and and there's great snorkeling off the coast there Mm -hmm. there's um you know the the water's beautiful yeah you know the the water's clear we saw some really really big sea anemones and some coral reefs yeah it was beautiful uh, it was really fun cool beach town and just you know just a lot of fun i would i would definitely recommend it if you want just a a very reasonably priced way to spend some time at the beach and have some fun on the beach and yeah Mm -hmm. it was good it was a good time
1: yeah, we really we really enjoy towns like that where we can just kind of lay back and see what food, you know, all the food is usually there's fresh seafood and just the sights and smells of like a beachside town is really, we love that. So we spent a couple of days there and, and really, really liked it. So, of course, Cambodia has got a lot of that. Um, I guess we can go to cuisine and drinks, food and drinks. Hey, Tarek, I guess you already you already kind of talked about the beer. I don't remember any other drinks really. Yeah, no like specific
0: cocktails out. that I can think of off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, like I think um, from what I was reading, like they do, there's like the Vietnamese coffee, like the iced coffee that Vietnamese Ooh, do very right. well. And I think um, Cambodia has kind of adopted that a little bit. They were saying because Cambodia was ruled by France.
0: Yeah, it was French Indochina. I think the French, um, it was part of their colonial holdings mm-hmm. as late at, or as early as the 1860s. And right. then the, the French sort of gave up those colonial holdings uh, shortly after World War One, Right. Or World War Two, sorry.
1: So from, yeah, so they were saying that like baguettes and coffee and those kind of things are still like... Still very important to Cambodians just because of the French influence, sort of thing. So, um, I remember that a little bit. I remember drinking the Angkor beer, which was like 25 yeah. cents. Yeah, that was free flowing. Cheap, cheap.
0: Um, they like their teas. Yeah. They have some uh, good Cambodian teas. They like that. And a lot of rice. You know, I actually remember now too, there was a rice wine not a specific rice wine, but they make rice wine, you know, because they, they're they very big into rice in Cambodia. I remember when those hmm. um, the Cambodian kids came to stay at our home and then we made them all that rice. They were like, well, let's see the bag of rice. Was it made in Cambodia? Because rice is one of their biggest oh, yeah. exports, one of their biggest yeah. um, commodities that they, they produce. Yeah. And so rice wines yeah. um, are something that they're proud of as it well. It was
1: made in Cambodia, wasn't it?
0: Uh, I think so.
1: Yeah. And... If you're When you're traveling through the country, like if you're on a bus, you'll look out the window and you'll just see rice fields for yep, just miles and miles and miles. There was um, one dish. It was called a mock. And it's kind of like a curry, like... Coconut milk, um, and you can have any sort of meat that you want, or shrimp, whatever. And it's like baked in this um, banana leaf. Mm. I think we had that a couple, yes, times, a couple and times, that one was really, really good. That's your local Cambodian yeah, food. Yeah, a sure. is that's one they use. And then there was one I, I remember trying it once. It was called Lok Lak, and I I went back in my photos because the name sounded familiar, and I knew I had tried it. But it's kind of like a a beef stir fry. So chopped beef, and then It actually just sits on like this like pile of like diced tomatoes or diced onions and then there's so it's kind of like this cooked meat on like raw veggies kind of thing and then you've got rice and then always like a fried egg sort of thing and then they've got these really delicious like dips that you dip the meat into i was reading also that cambodians really like kind of the contrast in their meals. So sweet and bitter, salty and sour, fresh and cooked. They like to kind of combine those things. And I do remember that about the meals. So it's like you've got your cooked meat on your fresh, crunchy vegetables. And yeah, it's just kind of, kind of different, um, but still kind of your curries and your rice and your noodle soups. And yeah, we really, really liked it. Like, of course, when you're traveling Asia, you have to get used to breakfast. Being yes, that was the toast <laughs> for me. Breakfast being not toast and not cereal, and
0: or eggs and you know traditional North American or, or yeah. European breakfast it's for curry sure. Or it is like it a full on like. To be meal. fair, most of the continental breakfasts at the hotels we stayed at did have um, more of a traditional continental, traditional more of a Western continental breakfast option for as well. the well but they definitely had a lot of fried food for breakfast too Tarek like,
1: was being such a baby when we traveled Asia he could not like.
0: I ate all the food just after breakfast
1: <laughs> he did not I, I was like you know what if this is what they do I'm going to try to have curry for breakfast I'm going to do it and I did most of the trip, and you just couldn't stomach it. No, one couldn't do it. You are doing you peanut do it, butter but and I jelly. I would have
0: curry for lunch, and I would have curry for dinner, and I would have curry for snack. <laughs> but breakfast needs to be breakfast. And that's actually, it's funny you say that, because that was the trip I learned that as much as I feel like I'm a pretty, pretty chill person, I'll eat whatever is popular in whatever region I'm in, turns out breakfast is where I draw the line.
1: It's the hard line of breakfast. <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: that's the way it is. So funny. I learned that that trip.
1: Yeah, you really, you don't beer from that, do you?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was. A bit I don't sick. mind
1: it. It gets a, a kind of, it, it can be a lot after a while, but they yeah, do it. Yeah, it, so. it was still good. Lots of fresh fruit too. That's really important. Mm-hmm. That's a really nice thing. Oh, and street food. We cannot, <laughs> like, oh, we can't not talk about it because it, Cambodians, it's delicacy.
0: Yes, they eat a lot of I'm looking at a, brick, a picture Brittany has on her phone right now. They eat a lot of deep fried bugs, specifically things like tarantulas and tarantula
1: kebabs.
0: And scorpions and locusts and grasshoppers, which is just like a small locust.
1: We both ate um fried grasshoppers. Definitely
0: grasshoppers. Maybe spiders. No. no? Oh my god. We didn't goodness. do the tarantula?
1: No, I I seriously looked at that and I couldn't have thought couldn't have thought of a more disgusting thing It's to rough.
0: Eat. It's hard, and it doesn't taste bad. I'll be honest. Like no. the grasshoppers, they just tasted like
1: they were crunchy and good. Yeah, they
0: don't have any specific taste in the grasshopper itself because they're always like teriyaki or salt and vinegar or something like they have potato chip style flavors. Yeah, and that's all you really
1: taste. But when you see, like, I I have arachnophobia to start with. I hate spiders more than anything in this world. When you see a big vat just full of dried black tarantulas. Ugh it is the most horrifying sight. Well, for its it yeah. is it doesn't matter i i don't care i hate them so much i can't believe that somebody has to go out into the jungle and and like oh no, they farm them uh-uh.
0: i don't think they catch them all uh-huh. at any rate i remember we were at this um i don't know where we were but it was this market <laughs> where they had they were making all this stuff with the the scorpions and the tarantulas and the crickets and there's just like kids whose parents are running their, their tarantula booths who have the, the tarantulas that are still oh, alive. They're the just carrying ones. them around. They have them on their shirts. I think it's funny how scared us silly North Americans are yeah. of, of the fact that they're carrying spiders around. I don't around. care how cute you are. Get away from me with that tarantula. <laughs> they're like, oh, my gosh, scared they are. <laughs> yeah, it was, they, they had a good laugh at our... Our squeamishness that their bugs yeah. they were carrying around like it was nobody's business. They're just used to it. There's no big deal for them.
1: But it's yeah. The thing is, it's not a gimmick. Like it's not just like oh, we eat these when you guys are around. It's like they they truly yeah. It's a
0: great source of protein. It's yeah. Low low cost. The uh, inexpensive and and, and it's effective. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Effective and and like I said, they they cook them in teriyaki. They cook them in sweet and sour sauce. They cook them. In I bet bigger. you the tarantula and would taste good. They don't taste bad. But what you know, about the... it's a weird thing to get your mind around, but it's it doesn't taste bad.
1: What about the three legs? I
0: don't know. That seems like it'd be super gross. I couldn't do it. You know, that's the thing. You have to not think about. Maybe if they mashed it up. Or, I don't
1: know. Ugh. I don't know. That's grosser. Maybe
0: if it was just the legs. If you just ate legs. Because yeah. then you could pretend they were uh, like... Like Cheetos no. or something? <laughs> no? I don't know.
1: <laughs> They're furry. I don't care. Okay. Tarantulas are furry Like
0: At any rate. You got to try it though. Try, yes. try some of the bugs. Yeah. When in Rome.
1: <laughs> try some of the bugs. Try some of the bugs. You got to do it. It's funny. Uh, uh KFC has like seven restaurants in all of Cambodia. And they do very, very, very poorly. Like they lose a shit ton of money every year. Because Cambodians just don't like Western food really, I guess. And McDonald's. They're in a lot of developing countries. McDonald's won't even touch Cambodia. They won't go there. Interesting. Yeah, they've got a couple. They've got a couple. I think like Burger King for the tourists. But (laughs) but yeah, McDonald's will not go there, and KFC is having a rough go in Cambodia. So they've got like they've got their fresh food. They've got fish. They've got fruit. They've got so many um, healthy options. Uh, Why would they need that junk that we eat in, in North America? Hey.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. You can't blame them. There's no reason why they have to have these faster chains. It's just you kind of expect them to be everywhere.
1: It's just funny.
0: And in Cambodia, they're like, oh, gross. No, we're good with what we got. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're good.
0: And so you can't blame them for that. You can't blame them.
1: Not at all. Yeah. So is there anything else that we didn't touch on? Of course, we're doing the highlights. Right, here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And And you know what we always say, and we should almost make this a universal disclaimer of our podcast, is... We only saw the places that we saw and there's probably and there's a lot more to each each country than what we experienced. So feel free to do a little more research, but you know what, we would definitely recommend Cambodia.
1: I think I think Cambodia just doesn't get enough hype. That's why we wanted to to talk about it because it's just shoved in there beside two or three I guess Vietnam and Thailand are hot spots for tourists. Um, it just it doesn't get talked about a lot and it is a really really interesting and exciting country that i, ha- I think has a lot of potential
0: i think so too i mean it's growing really quickly mm-hmm. um and it's just you know if you're thinking about going somewhere and you're like "Well, i'm gonna be in that region anyways hit up cambodia go to Cambodia. i go would definitely recommend cambodia. it for sure um
1: make sure you go to angkor wat you have to yeah it, for sure you gotta go to it. angkor wat i think like over a million tourists go to Angkor Wat every year now so it's bringing in a lot of tourism Mm -hmm. for them which is great yeah yeah
0: it's a world heritage site so
1: yeah really awesome country we did not like always did not have enough time there yes just hit up a few spots in our short little two and a half week vacation a few years ago but it is a place that um yeah it was worth it we were so happy we went and hopefully we can go back one day Right?
0: Absolutely, I agree. It was I really great. need to try that tarantula. Yeah, there you go. we got to eat some tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> great country. Go visit it. If you have been there or if you are from there, let us know. Hit us up. You yeah. can see our Instagram. You can see our email address in the episode description. We'd yeah. love to hear from you. We'd Tell love us to hear about what, what your experience. You think. And we'll read uh, your emails online if you want. Or on the podcast, I should say. (laughs) And, uh, yeah.
1: I think that's it for this week. Awesome. Catch you next time. Talk to you guys later. Bye.